Welcome to Business Impacting the Space Coast, the podcast keeping you in the know on small business in Brevard County. Business Impacting the Space Coast is sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling. So we're here with Dale Ketchum. He is the Vice President of Space Florida. We all know Florida has a long history of space flight, starting with uh, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo. We had Skylab. Then we had uh, the Space Shuttle program that was very successful for a number of years, International Space Station. And now we've got Space Launch System, Orion, and beyond. But what a lot of people are interested in is the commercial side of things. Stuff's going privatized, and I know that you can tell us a lot about that. Well, that's clearly the focus of Space Florida. The, the NASA and Air Force sides are going to continue to be solid, uh, regular uh, users of the Space Coast uh, and at the Cape because NASA is going to continue to have its exploration mission. They get a little, there's confusion all too often in Washington as to what's the mission and where are we going. But fortunately, we're developing technologies and we are going to go somewhere. It looks like it's going to be the moon now, which is probably the appropriate next step. And the Air Force is going to continue to have its national security missions because it doesn't look like peace is going to break out around the world. So they're going to stay busy. Um, but the, neither one of them is really going to take off with their budget and activity. They're going to be steady, consistent users. The growth opportunity, which is our target, is that commercial sector. And that's what's been growing. That's what's added all the new excitement and energy into the Space Coast. And it continues to be the target of further development and growth. So that's that's where we're focused. Awesome. So basically, you know, Florida's well known for the light show that goes on. You know, you see the rockets going up, you hear the sound, you hear the rumble. People come from all over the world to see that. Um, but what they don't know is that a lot of that hardware is actually built elsewhere. You know, in, in Huntsville, Alabama, you've got Aerojet Rocketdyne, you've got entities all over building this hardware, and even Russia supplying us with engines at this yep. point. Um, we want to bring a lot of manufacturing jobs to Florida, and I know that's a main focus of yours as well. Well, that, that actually began in 2004 when we lost the Columbia. And the decision was made back then that we we're going to terminate the shuttle at the end of the International Space Station. Once we completed construction of the station, we were not going to fly the shuttle anymore. So we had about six years, really, to prepare for that. And the state, the region, the county, um, we'd all done a pretty good job, quite frankly, of preparing for that and getting industries interested in taking advantage of the workforce that was going to be here, the, the thousands of people that had the, the talent to fly vehicles, the, understood the process, the safety. Uh, all of them had security clearances, which is a huge issue. And a lot of companies were very interested in taking advantage of this big workforce that was suddenly going to be without work. And we'd done a pretty good job of, of, of funneling, you know, preparing to bring a lot of companies here. Unfortunately, we got hit in the teeth with the Great Recession like the rest of the globe did, and none of that came here, and we all know what happened. 9,000 people lost their jobs, and five years ago, we were in a really tough position here. But we've climbed back. Uh, I think it's interesting that a lot of the development has come because of decisions that were made back in 2006 where there was a commitment by the state uh, when the follow-on to the shuttle was going to be the Constellation program. That, that's what George Bush announced, um, Bush 43. And they were going to build a big rocket, a smaller rocket, and a capsule. Well, the capsule, we knew that was going to get built somewhere. 
And the state of Florida went to both Boeing and Lockheed because those were the two finalists to compete. What a surprise, Lockheed and Boeing. And the state said, you know, we're prepared. If you will agree to assemble that vehicle here, we will contribute $35 million into building the, you know, outfitting a facility where that work can be done. Boeing said, no, we're going to do that in Hunts, excuse me, in Houston at Johnson Space Center because that's where the contract was being let. That was a business decision by them. Lockheed, to their credit, said, deal, we'll take you up on it. And Lockheed won, and the state invested $35 million rebuilding the operations and checkout facility, which is where the Apollo capsule was processed. It's now named the Armstrong Operations and Checkout Facility after Neil Armstrong. And the state, uh, we made a big investment, and that then became the first piece of space hardware built in Florida. Since then, we now manufacture also the Boeing capsule for their commercial crew program, which means two of the the nation's three capsules are being assembled here in Florida. Uh, We're a couple months away from the formal grand opening of Blue Origin's rocket factory, where we're going to be building you know, the biggest rockets uh, anywhere around um, here at the Cape. And right across the street from that, we're a couple months away from the ground bra- uh, the grand opening of the OneWeb satellite manufacturing facility, which is going to be the most advanced satellite manufacturing facility anywhere on the planet where they're going to be cranking out a satellite once, a- once every eight-hour shift. So we're now building... Capsules, rockets, satellites, and what that's doing, what we've been focused on, is that's starting to attract the supply chain, the people who sell pieces and parts and services to these big primes are now starting to gravitate here. Ruag, uh, which is a big Swiss company, is set up shop in Titusville. They're going to be building the, the uh, framework, the structure for the satellites for OneWeb, uh, as well as others. And that's really been our focus since we, gathered, we, we were successful in getting these big prime contractors. Now we're focused on bringing the supply chain here. Wow. So it seems to me that um, bringing all that in, it, it really stimulates more than just the space industry. It really stimulates the entire economy across the entire state, um, bringing jobs. So once, once we have this infrastructure set up, it's going to spiderweb into all the other industries in the area. It's going to stimulate the, the economy across the entire state. And I think where, where we've been focused, uh, Frank DeBello, our CEO, he's, he's a pretty visionary guy. And he understands that our goal is to get far beyond uh, just the fire and smoke of, of launching. I mean, that's obviously essential, and that's what brings the tourists, and that's great. But even beyond the manufacturing of the capsules and the vehicles and the satellites, the real value is in the economic activity that will occur as all this new technology develops in space where you have satellites become increasingly cheaper to put into orbit and the satellites are becoming increasingly smaller. So we'll have more and more satellites in space doing more and more things and we use the analogy of the internet. When the internet was established, we really weren't sure what it was going to be useful for. But leave it to the marketplace and human ingenuity and all sorts of stuff. You know, we can't live without it now. 
And in many ways, that's probably going to be what happens in space, is you're going to have all these sensors, all this data, all this capability that now becomes available cheaply. So how can humanity, you know, use that capability both to enrich human life, but also to make money and create jobs and wealth? And that's really where we're hoping to position Florida is to take advantage of the fact that we're launching from here, we're building it here, so bring your applications and technology here as well. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really great point. One of the things I hear from a lot of people is, you know, oh, well, NASA shut down or the Space Center is shut down. And that's something that, you know, it always it gets to me a little bit because I know that it's really a beehive of activity out there with all the, the companies coming in, all this new uh, economic growth that's coming around the, the space uh, industry. Um, what would you say to, to those people? Well, the NASA continuing on its process. It's, it's not nearly as big as it was, but it still has a critical mission. It's out there. The Air Force is, they're still focused on their national security missions. They're a little, they really don't care what's happening. They're very focused on just their mission. Their job is to get payloads in space safely, securely, and reliably as soon as they can to support the warfighter. Who owns what and who's processing what out there, at the end of the day, they don't really care. They're focused on their mission. So they're looking at new ways of governance um, as to what's the most efficient way for them to do what they need to do. And that's one of the things the state's been trying to work with NASA, the Air Force, the FAA, the commercial sector, is what's the best governance model out there? Because right now what we're developing is essentially an airport or seaport. But right now you have the federal government running an airport and seaport, and the federal government doesn't do that well. We use the analogy of uh, Reagan and Dulles airports. They used to be run and managed by the FAA because they were originally established as the airports for the nation's capital. And they were there from, they were begun in the 20s and until 1987, they were run and managed by the FAA, but they did an abysmal job of it. They couldn't respond to the marketplace. And eventually the FAA just turned the whole thing over to an independent uh, airport authority, the Washington Metropolitan Airport Authority, which was a joint venture between the Commonwealth of Virginia and the District of Columbia, because they were structured like we're structured. They were, um, they could go out to the private capital markets, borrow money to put in the uh, taxiways, the parking garages, the fuel lines, the tank farms, all of that stuff that the FAA couldn't get without going through Congress, which requires an act of Congress, so it wasn't done well. But you go to the private markets, make that investment, and then the users, the airlines, would pay for that service to pay off the debt to pay for the maintenance and to put away a little bit so you've got more money to upgrade in the future. That's what we're saying should be happening out there and that's what we're working towards. No, that sounds like a really great case study because it's kind of the same thing. You had something run by the government, by the federal government, and then you know wasn't going so well. They allowed all this privatization to happen and all of a sudden industries were popping up, companies were popping up to fill the needs rather than Congress having to be like, oh, we had to build fuel station, we had to build this. You know, companies were, oh, well, now we can make a buck on this. This can stimulate the economy. We're going to come right. in and let the free market kind of rein in on that, that kind of a thing. So tell me, if you would, what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing as far as putting that governmental structure in place? 
you know, who makes these final decisions? I know NASA still makes a lot of decisions on who can operate out there. Well, it, it's still owned by, the, the land's owned by NASA. Um, and they're, they haven't entirely bought into this idea of them not running the commercial spaceport. They're very slow to adapt to this stuff. Yeah, and, uh, but, but that's fine. I mean, we, we understand. Um, they've been in charge and it's human nature, it's not unique to NASA, it's humans anywhere. If, they have, if they're in charge of something, giving up being in charge of something is hard to do. But at the end of the day, they and the Air Force recognize, or the Air Force recognizes now, NASA will, is starting to, that ultimately they will benefit almost more than anybody from being able to spend their money and their focus on doing what the taxpayers and the citizens expect of NASA, which is to go explore the moons of Jupiter or put footprints on Mars, not manage commodities and repair bridges and roads. That's not what people want out of NASA. And so if as they trans as we move towards this transformation, and we're gonna get there eventually, NASA's long-term planning documents reflect the fact that in the distant future, they're going to be tenants, and the Air Force is going to be tenants, and an airport, a spaceport authority is going to be running the whole place, because they know that's the best way. It's just we're trying to push them to, if that's a good idea in 2040, why isn't it a good idea in 2018? So you just want to move the timeline, you want to speed things up out there? It's going to take forever, because you got a federal government and a state government working together. That doesn't sound like grease lightning to me, so let's start those conversations now. Yeah, and NASA has kind of developed a culture of moving slower. You know, we had the, the support of the country before, people right. were real gung-ho, and then, you know, we had uh, people feared real competition from, you know, foreign uh, governments, you know, the, the space race. We don't have to get into that, but, you know, when you have the, the support of the people, you can get things done a lot faster. But the culture out there now seems to be very slow and measured. It's, it, it's not a NASA problem, I and mean, it's, it's government. The yeah. government is not particularly nimble. I mean, Space Florida is a state government entity. We're a lot faster and more nimble than NASA, but that bar set pretty low. You know, we're a state entity. We're still the people that brought you the Department of Motor Vehicles. You know, don't expect miracles out of us. <laughs> but collectively, we can be trying to improve so that industry can come in and create an environment and provide the innovation and the new ideas that will make space activity good for humanity, which is ultimately why we're all doing this. Absolutely. It's going to benefit the entire the entirety of the human race. Now, you spoke a little bit uh, earlier, if we could briefly go into um, competition from from other markets, um, we have competition with other states where there's a lot of manufacturing and also competition with the rest of the world in the space industry. Right now, uh, the Cape Canaveral Spaceport is the most successful and active spaceport in the, on the planet. But the Chinese this year may exceed our successful launch cadence. Uh, the Russians are still very busy. South Carolina, South uh, South America, where the Europeans run their business, uh, they're, they're developing new vehicles. The competition's uh, growing fast. Brazil, India's making huge strides. They're really coming on fast. It's very impressive. Japan and, and more. You know, this having a space program is something most countries would love to have. I mean, it's, it's got this appeal to it, the sex appeal that, and, and a masculinity about it that you want to have. Um, 
But there's also little companies uh, like Luxembourg is making a huge smart play for to be a commercial center for financing and developing technologies for mining asteroids, the moon, and elsewhere. It's a neat play by a very small country. So the competition is, is across the globe. We just lost a, uh, one of the small con uh, launch vehicle contractors, Rocket Labs. They're out of New Zealand, but the, it's very neat technology. They've launched twice successfully now. And they announced last week that they're going to launch from Virginia. That was unfortunate. We wanted that business. But that's a reflection of the fact that uh, it's a competitive marketplace. We lost SpaceX to Texas uh, quite a few years ago. They're going to be launching in a year or so from Texas. And that's really going to suck. Having us watch a launch from Texas, that's not, that's not going to be a happy day here. No, it's, it's very sad um, to think about you know, launches taking place other than here. Um, you know, we already have certain certain orbital uh, requirements you require launching from Vandenberg. You know, polar right. orbits; those are um, tougher to get to without going too much over the over land. Right here, you know, we obviously get the boost. Uh, you know, the Earth rotates eastward, so we get our boost here. But Texas also has that benefit. Yeah, Tex Texas. It's not going to be easy for them to launch from Brownsville, um, but they decided, and we understood why I got in trouble because I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as, with saying that if it was my money, I'd be launching, building a commercial site in Texas as well because they wanted a location that was not on federal property. Mm. Because if you're competing, competing with the Chinese and the Russians and the Europeans and all these other folks in a purely commercial marketplace, having NASA and the Air Force as any part of your business model doesn't add any value at all. It just adds costs and schedule impact. And so they wanted a place that was purely commercial. And Brownsville gave it to them. And the bigger concern, not so much bigger, but another concern is Georgia is working on their own commercial launch site just north of Jacksonville that came in, was actually ranked number two behind Cape Canaveral for the NASA evaluation of where to put our moon launch program. So you can get there from here in Georgia, and that's going to be additional competition. So we have to continue to work, uh, innovate, work with our federal partners to come up with what's the best model to, to stay competitive. Yeah, it sounds like this, you know, sadly, with, with almost all things uh, in our country, this could be an issue that's very uh, politicized. And it seems like, you know, there's a great number of people in, in the country that they have that tendency to favor smaller government, more local government. It has been nonpartisan. It's, it's okay. one of the few areas in Washington, and it is one of the few areas where we still work well with the Russians. And, you know, hopefully we can use that to build on not getting worse with our friends from Moscow. It's, it's a real uh, thorn in a lot of people's side that we're paying the Russians you know, millions of dollars to send our astronauts up right now. We don't have the capability. We're hoping that we're going to return that capability uh, very soon. But the Soyuz, like I said, the Russians have been flying that since the beginning of time. I would feel completely safe on that, on the Soyuz. I'll go tomorrow on a Soyuz. Yeah, yeah. let's go together. Yeah, okay, uh, that sounds like uh, fun. So, you know, I, I'm very impressed with, with that and the fact that they've been able to maintain a, a program for so long. 
um, you know, we've got SpaceX maybe getting a contract to send astronauts, you know, so that's a commercial side of things actually taking Americans into space. What are your thoughts on that? Well, both Boeing and SpaceX have a contract to get Americans into the International Space Station probably next year. Uh, originally, they thought they'd get it done by the end of this year, but what a surprise, schedule slipped with the NASA project. But I, I, I think most of us are really confident we're going to see Americans launching from the Cape uh, within a year. Wow. Uh, whether or not it's the first one is on a SpaceX Falcon rocket or a Boeing capsule on top of a ULA Atlas V, we don't know yet. Uh, personally, I don't care. I just want to hurry up, let's get Americans up there on American um, rockets so we can stop relying on Vladimir Putin because I don't think anybody likes that. I no, mean, I... We knew we were going to be in this place uh, back in 2004. When they announced they were going to cancel the shuttle, it was announced that we were going to rely on the Russians for two to three years to continue to get to the station. Um, the fact that that slipped into now seven or eight years is, again, not a surprise, but disappointing nonetheless. But this, this was a plan all along. So I, I think it's important. Space has been, as an issue in Congress, has been very bipartisan, which is encouraging because you've got Senator Nelson working very closely with Senator Cruz. Clearly, they're not ideological soulmates, but they work very closely together. And, you know, I would want to use space as an example, both in, in Washington and with the executive and legislative branches, that this is one area where we all work together well. Let's, let's not screw that up and let's use that so we can start building on working in other areas well as, as well. I really like what you said about that. You have bipartisan effort to bring this privatization to the area, to the industry. And um, it's always been a contention of mine that, you know, Congress and politics we're, um, we're missing a lot of, you know, there's not a ton of engineers in Congress or former scientists right. in Congress. So they're relying on the data that they're getting from these organizations. And these organizations obviously have motives of their own. So for them to sift through this, you know, you mentioned the senators and all that. I imagine, you know, with a layman's understanding, it could be very tough for them. It's, it's a challenge, but like I've been going to Washington now for a long, long, long time. And a lot of these decisions are, um, you have to work with an educated staff on the committees and in the personal offices. And the, the, if, if the staff, the right people on staff in the Hill, as they are critical, ultimately it's the members who vote. That's, that's the way it should be because that's who we elect. But it's a big organization. There's a lot to know. And you have to rely critically on staff. And staff has been, uh, staff deserves a lot of credit for helping to keep this as a bipartisan issue in a very toxic environment. So kudos to them. Well, I'm ex very excited at the future of this. I've been seeing a lot out of the space and a lot of new companies coming in. SpaceX, I'm not sure, you know, I'll ride in one of Elon's cars, no problem. But until some, a few other people get on that dragon, when we finally get that, and I think that'll be the first time that a private organization ever in the history of the world has sent a human into orbit. Yes, it will be. Well, if it's not Boeing first. 
That's right. Uh, so so and, that's a good competition we're all watching and uh, eager to see how that plays out. Are we uh, placing any bets? I don't know. Uh, it, uh, right now, I you know it's, it's tough to bet against Elon Musk. It's That's just true. Tough to bet against him, but uh, I wouldn't sell Boeing short either. Uh, they've been doing it a while. They know what they're doing. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, I don't care. I just want to celebrate with an adult beverage and you know say something nasty about Vladimir Putin when they <laughs> get into orbit. So I don't care who put him there. But Boeing's probably got a better track record, honestly, for that. Well, I'm old. I've had a good life. I'm prepared to get on either one. So you'll go to space? Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, here in Florida, just a very active year-round. The weather's always great. You know, you don't ever have to worry about being snowed in. And I meet a lot of tourists from outside the country that come in, and sometimes they tend to know more than my neighbors here in, in the States. And it seems like that... Um, a lot of Americans have started to take for granted the space program. They're not as excited about it. And what, what, what can we say to those people that might, you know, right now they might not care. We want to bring them up. You know, we've got um, education issues. We've got all this stuff. People wonder where this money is going. Why, why should they? Why, why should we care? Let's make the case to them. Well, I think one example that I think is important to any, would resonate with any American, is if you track U.S the education and interest of U.S. children in math and sciences as uh, that chart goes up and down over the last 50 years, that chart mimics more than anything else the U.S. space program. It took off in a steep climb with Sputnik and then when uh, you know John Glenn orbited, first orbited, and then with the Apollo mission and then the space shuttle and then the space station, so Americans, American children are inspired by space as much, if not more so, than anything else. You know, kids, there's, there's two things they like, rockets and dinosaurs. Well, we can't, we're not yet reproducing dinosaurs, but we can do neat stuff in space. It does get people excited about it. I mean, nobody's done anything like orbiting a red Tesla uh, with Starman in it. I mean, the world watched that. That was the most amazing thing in the world. That got a lot of attention and inspired a lot of kids. So I think it is something that inspires American children to do the hard studies. And anything we can do to do that would help. Uh, additionally, here in Brevard County, Brevard County, I'm a product of Brevard County schools, and we have consistently had the best performing education system in Brevard County of any of Florida's major counties. And that's been attributable, attributable directly to the fact we've had the space program here. So I think it's important, uh, not only is it important for national security, economic competitiveness, uh, human desire to explore and, and know new things, but it also helps on the more fundamental things. It, you know, if we can do move nasty material that we, nasty activity that we do on the planet and take that up into the space, um, whether, you know, it's mining or giant solar farms, because, you know, the solar energy available in space, you know, you can do away with all fossil fuel, fuels. There's just a whole lot that will make life easier 
if we develop the capability to do in space what would better be done up there than having to do it down here. So I think it, it applies to everybody. Totally agree. There's no reason for me to sit through calculus and differential equations if we can't put that to use. Yes. So and the kids, they need to know that there's a bright future for them if they do go through these hard studies and we are going to continue to explore right on to, you know, the future health of our planet, you know, doing, doing things that are going to benefit us environmentally. Oh, yeah. There's no question. And the, the economic opportunities, my own personal speculation is that the world's first trillionaire will be the person who makes that money out in space. And, you know, one, I hope it's an American. I think it'd be neat if it was a woman of color. Uh, it, I think that would just be fantastic as an example of, again, America more than any other country, you know, is built upon the idea of exploring new areas and taking uh, economic activity and exploration and research out into where it hadn't been before. Um, that's what built this country. It's a, it's a dangerous activity. We're going to lose more people in the exploration of space. That's, that's a given. I think we all know that. But, you know, we lost a lot of people in the explore, you know, exploration of the new world or the opening of the American West. And that, you know, that's discounting, you know, we don't, we're not even talking about the indigenous populations and the impact to them. But if we're up in space and encountering indigenous populations, well, that's a whole different story. So well, I that's think a whole other show. Yes, that is very much so. All right. Well, I, I've learned a lot here. What can, uh, what can people expect to see, you know, in the next three to five here in the Space Coast? Well, I think the next few steps are as we focused and helped grow, um, and they deserve the credit. We've just helped uh, for Elon Musk and SpaceX and Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin established these, these two highly successful rocket companies, as well as ULA's bringing on their new Vulcan vehicle. The, the next, I think, interesting thing to watch will be the smaller launch companies. We, we lost Rocket Lab's first launch to Virginia, but they're likely to end up coming back here anyway. But there's also other companies, Firefly, Virgin Orbit, uh, Relativity, are, are all companies that are getting into the small satellite market where they're not nearly as large a boosters. But the satellites are not, you know, they're the size of your cell phone, so you don't need a great big rocket. And that's really where we're focused on trying to bring new launch activity to the Cape, is trying to get those guys coming here. Um, whether it's a, a Virgin Orbit will launch using the shuttle landing facility, which Space Florida now runs. We just shortly should be getting our license as an official FAA-licensed spaceport. Um, we're we're going to rename the thing. It'll probably stay SLF for your designation with the FAA, but we're going to be renaming that and targeting Virgin Orbit, Virgin Galactic, Strato Launcher, all these new technologies that are going to be using horizontal launch and landing as a vehicle to get into space as opposed to just purely the vertical uh, with the big rockets. So with the small rockets, the horizontal activity, um, and hopefully the neat thing will be new technologies, new applications, because at the end of the day, our goal is to help better integrate not just what's happening out there at the, out there at the Cape, but integrate that with the modeling and simulation industry, the life sciences industry, 
all the other industrial capabilities that the state of Florida has to offer to build a much larger industrial complex here in Florida so that we become what we call the 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 the, uh, the, the galactic spaceport or your primary port of entry for economic activity occurring out in the solar system because we're not that far away from uh, you know mining asteroids um, uh, producing energy in space um, we use the we try to riff off of Jeff Bezos's valedictorian speech where he talked about um, we, we ravage the earth for mining of minerals and energy and you know we, sh- we shouldn't have to do that because all the minerals and energy we could ever want for thousands of years is up there in the solar system and we should move mining and heavy industry off of the planet and return earth to zone residential that's a neat image and and the goal then is you have all this economic activity occurring out in space so there needs to be there there'll be a primary port of entry it won't be the only one but the primary port of entry for economic activity going back and forth between space and the earth which means we have to be fully integrated with roads rail airports seaports all coming here so the stuff from the earth that wants to get into space can easily get here and then when it comes back from space it can easily get disseminated so it's all part of an integrated transportation system but that's that's really our long-term goal and that's what drives us and i think it's i think it's a neat image and i it's actually quite achievable I think you're right on with that in florida you know it's a great place to do this type of work like you said we can barge hardware in it's accessible the infrastructure's here and it's really just a great place to live it's got a lot of great history great wildlife and uh, you know what can people do to uh, get involved and learn more about this that's a fair question what's the best way to stay on top of it we can vote a certain way (laughs) well just vote for people who support space Um, I, I don't really know those who don't they're not many certainly not in Florida being a part of the space program is part of any Floridian self-image. You know, we have it's a it's a key part of the Florida quarter. It was important enough to us to have space as a part of uh, of our our currency. Um, and part of Space Florida's job is to help see to it that, assuming we all don't go to cryptocurrency, if if we create another coin in 25 years in the future, that Florida will continue to have an image of itself as being part of a spacefaring state that will put another icon of the space program on our currency in the future. So what I'm hearing is, write your congressman, write your local representatives, tell them that you want to see Florida to remain a leader in the space space industry, and America to remain a leader in the space industry, of course, as well, and that these things need to be funded, and the money's not just put on a rocket and sent into space. The money's spent here on the ground with businesses, people with jobs, making money. We don't send money to space. No. We, we spend don't. money to go to space, but the money is spent right here. Yes, with new jobs, new technologies. Uh, hopefully, the long-term goal being to improve human life here. Well, I think that about takes care of it, Dale. I really appreciate the conversation. I'm really excited about what we're going to continue to see here in Florida. That The best is ahead of us. I truly believe that. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. Glad to do it. Business impacting the Space Coast, where Brevard gets down to business. Sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling.